Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Did you see the Barbie movie yet? I did. I'm fully Barbenheimered. I saw them both. Okay. I saw the Barbie movie in Kansas City. Loved it. Loved it. I think it was better than Oppenheimer. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but I know I love my Barbie. That's right. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career in friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we are going to talk about getting a fresh perspective. Then, in Take a Hike, Sarah talks about the beauty of a do-nothing day. We also have a craft and fame on character names. And this week's Hollywood hack will come in handy when you're missing all that new fall TV. Finally, Liz has a podcast recommendation, but first we have an update. Yeah, so Sarah, we've been talking a lot about the WGA strike on the podcast, and a fellow writer wrote in with an interesting question we wanted to bring up. She said... Whenever I see my peers laughing and carrying on in photos and videos of the strike, I always feel that sends the wrong message. Shouldn't we have game faces on? Be a bit scarier. Ha ha, I don't know. Maybe that's dumb. I just don't want the other side thinking it's all a party. Or maybe that's what we want them to think. I've always wanted to get your take on it, so finally asking. And that comes from Jen. Well, Sarah, I have wondered the same thing. I think a lot of us have kind of gone around and around in my mind about it. And I really came to the conclusion that a happy, unified front is powerful. I agree. I'm guessing probably every writer on the line is having this dilemma when they think about it. But I finally landed on it shows our resolve. This is a really hard thing. If we can get out there and be smiling and march in the sun hour after hour, it shows that we're serious. So even if we're smiling about it, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, and it's not that anyone is happy they're on strike or isn't aware of the huge financial impact it's having on Los Angeles. Although, again, that's 
really due to the companies, not due to the writers. Yes. But I think one reason everyone is smiling, Sarah, is because for years we writers have been upset about the way things were going. We were being squeezed more and more, producers not being on set more and more, free work more and more. All of these things have been happening. And now, at least being on strike, it feels like we're trying to take our power back. We are taking our power back. So even though it's awful, there's nothing worse than feeling totally powerless. And at least now, I think people feel they're doing something about it, and that makes them smile. And I think we're seeing that also in labor actions across the country and across the city. Like yes. every day, there's city workers are on strike. I think today, people are really saying enough is enough. We have been treated terribly by these giant corporations long enough. Something has to change and now is the time. So being able to do that with a smile on our face, I agree. I think that's just about we have to do it. There's just no choice. Yeah. And then another thing, Sarah, on another note is that I think everyone was so isolated during COVID and TV writers tend to be very social. I mean, it's a very social career screenwriters, obviously not as much, but I think people are just happy to be with other people. And that's part of why you see so many smiles on the line, because people are seeing friends they may not have seen for five years, and it's just kind of a joyful moment to reunite. So anyway, I think it's a really interesting, thought-provoking question, and that's where we land. Would love to hear if people feel differently about it. Okay, Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's the fresh perspective that a little distance can give us. Yeah, so it's interesting because of the strike, we stepped away from what we were working on 100%, just pencils down, put it down, walked away, and now it's been 100 days. That's a long time to be away from a piece of work. It really is. You know, it's that thing of like, we always say when we're working and one of us goes to the bathroom, it's always then that someone has Mm -hmm. the idea. So it's like we've been on a really long bathroom break. (laughs) Longest bathroom break ever. (laughs) Yeah. And so we had an idea this week. I was driving along, not thinking about work, and then went, oh, wait a minute, what about this? So then we talked on the phone, and literally in 10 minutes, we have a totally different take on a project that we had been working on that had been feeling just stale to us, I think. Yeah, I think we weren't thrilled with where it was before we left it. Mm -hmm. Now we've got a fresh perspective that hopefully when it is time to go back to it, we'll be re-energized to put all of our efforts into our new tweaks on our take. Yeah, and it's digression into the development process. But it is something that happens. You know, the development process is kind of like a train that isn't stopping. And sometimes just getting a little nudge off on one track, you think, well, when you first go off on that track, it looks okay. And then you start going down it and you're like, boy, the view here really sucks. And I think that's what had happened on this project. Instead of getting more and more excited about it, (laughs) we were getting less and less excited about it, about the direction we were going. So one, it was nice to put it aside, really just to be like, okay, not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm hoping, yes, that when we return, it will be with a level of excitement that we had really lost. Yes. And it's interesting, Sarah, you know, I mentioned free work earlier. And again, free work is such an issue in the strike. And and that has always been part of the writer's career involves free work. It's just gotten way out of hand. But 
if you are doing something for free, laboring on it, you want to love it. You don't right. want to be laboring on something that you're not really excited about. So we yeah. hope that we will do this labor and we will love it. And then eventually we will get paid. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. First, a strike has to end. If this project exists, Sarah, that's... Well, that's the other thing. It's We're not going to think about it anymore because who knows when the strike ends if it'll still be a viable project. It's just such a weird time. Yes, yes. And we're not, again, pencils down, so we're not working on it right now. But, but that's the difference between pencils down and brains down. It's like you can put yes, your pencil down. Yes, you can down. put your pencil down. You can't <laughs> stop yourself from having a thought about a project. Right. It's just going to happen. <laughs> yes. It's going to happen, whether you want it to or not. But anyway, let's just hope this thing ends and we can return to this and that we're excited about it. Yeah. All right. Coming up, we have a take a hike about doing nothing. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health. Today, I'd say it's mental health, which is have a do-nothing day. You did this recently. I did this recently, and let me tell you, it was the most wonderful day in, like, the last five years. So Violet is at camp right now. She does sleepaway camp, and it's still things are busy, and there's a lot to do, but I decided one day this weekend I was going to do absolutely nothing, like Nothing. I didn't even listen to music. I didn't watch TV. I listened to books. I did a puzzle. I read, but I really genuinely did Uh, nothing other than go around to the animals and give them water and food, just like in a very relaxed kind of way. And it was so nice. And did you feel afterward more relaxed? What did you feel? Did it refresh you? It refreshed me tremendously. What was so interesting to me is the next day. So this is sort of a two-parter, I guess. I had a do-nothing day, and then I had a do-whatever-I-want day. Oh. So it was like... I really wanted to start a new sourdough starter. So I did that. I went to the grocery store and I only got groceries that I want. I wasn't getting groceries for Ah. anyone else. I binge watched a TV show that I had been wanting to watch for a really long time. So yes, and I was surprised to find that I actually felt motivated to do things that I hadn't necessarily wanted to do, like meditate. The do-nothing day I did not meditate. I literally embraced the nothingness of it, right? But on my do-what-I-want day, I was meditating, and I was doing things that are actually going to be good for me. And I I actually feel so much better. It's been a few days, and I'm just like, yeah, let's do this. Well, I love that, Sarah. That is so great to hear. And I think occasionally everyone does need one of those do-nothing days. I know for me, listening to a book is like the ultimate— It is. Now, Sarah, I happen to know Chuck, our executive producer, has a name for this. He calls it franking. And I'm wondering if we can get Chuck to explain why he calls this franking and and what it means to him. So, yes, Will, to have a frank day is what we call it. And uh, where Will stay at home with no plans and just swim and day drink. (laughs) 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 But it started from my stepdad and mom have a little cabin house in Wisconsin. And my stepdad's friend would come out named Frank. And he would pack in everything 
for the whole week. So he would never have to leave, and he would just chill. <laughs> so it's the ultimate chill. Uh, is we'll, we'll call it a Frank. I love that. Of course, we added DoorDash into the mix, too, so... Yes, that helps. You can't door dash at a cabin in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm calling it franking from now on. Me too. I think having a name for it is really helpful. Identifying it, you can put it on the calendar as Frank Day. Right. I'm going to put it on the calendar from now on. I got to find times when Violet is not at camp to do a Frank Day. Yes. Maybe I can recruit her into franking with me. <laughs> uh-huh, there you go. I'm curious, Sarah, if our listeners have do-nothing days or Frank days, as we now call them. Let us know if you have Frank days and what do you do? What's your idea of doing nothing? Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Liz, it's time for the craft and fame because writing is an art, but it is also a craft. And we thought today it would be fun to talk about one of our favorite and least favorite things, which is naming characters. Yes, Sarah, this is a huge thing. Character names are extremely important. One thing that's interesting is to look at how it's different to name characters for a novel versus a television show. And is it different? And the answer is yes, it's different. Yes. When we're thinking about character names for television, one of the big things we think about is, are people going to know how to pronounce it? Literally just actors who come on to the show who maybe are not series regulars, are they going to be able to come in and directors too and just know (laughs) what the character's name is. We had a character on Fantasy Island where we did not do this, and we didn't do it for a very specific reason. Her name was Helene, the character's name, and she had to be born in a kind of specific year, and there had to be a specific weather event in that year that she could be named after. So we named that character Helene because there was a hurricane the year of her birth called Helene. But that's not easy for people. People come in, they're like, is it Helene? Is it Helene? Is it Helena? Like, there's really a lot of ways to say that name. So you're constantly having to tell people it's this, it's this, it's this, and then make sure in post that you're getting it right every time. Yes. In a novel, it doesn't matter because people can just pronounce it in their head however they like, and everyone can pronounce in a different way if they want to. But in TV, it becomes a big issue. Although having said that, now that people are listening to books a lot of the time and going back and forth, Violet read the first City of Ember book and the character's name in her head when she was reading was Lena, and then the audiobook, it's pronounced Lina. And it was like a ah. barrier for entry to her. She had a really hard time going back and forth between them. She, every time they said the main character's name, she was like, that's not right. That so That makes sense. You do have to think about that more. You know, it's funny with a name. You want it to sound like a real name, but often you don't want it to be too common. And you don't want it to get too soap opera, which can happen with certain names. Stone Ridgeway. Exactly. (laughs) One of our favorite things to do is to decide how old a character is. So say a character is 70 years old. Let's say it's a woman. She's 70 years old. That means she was born in 1953. So we look up online what were the most popular baby names for girls in 1953. So I just did that while you were talking, Liz, and found they have these on Baby Center. There are lots and lots of lists of names. So we'll start with the most common ones because that's how the lists are organized. And if we think like this person is from a family that would have given them a very typical name in 1953, then we'll go with something higher on the list, like Susan in this case, 
or Nancy, Deborah, if we think that they're going to be a little more free-thinking in their approach to their child's name, we'll go lower on the list. Sylvia is number 100, for example. Mm -hmm. Or we'll look for lists that are longer, or we'll think this wouldn't really be true in 1953, but if it was someone in the 60s, do they have hippie parents? Do they have parents involved in the civil rights movement? How do we kind of contextualize this character in a broader way and give them a name that works for all of the reasons we want to meet, both the practical ones and the ones that have to do with who they are as a character. Yes, and of course, you can look up Spanish names, names from any country. You can get very specific with the roots of the name. And then another fun layer to that, depending on the context, is to find out what a name means. Because a lot of times it's fun if a name means something. The audience might not know it, but it can be a fun Easter egg to have a cool meaning for the name. And there's nothing better than coming up with a really good name for a character. Like, you think about the really iconic characters in TV, Andy Sipowitz. Yes, Tony Soprano. I mean, Soprano is a great last name. Great last name. We haven't come up with anything iconic yet, but, you know... We'll keep trying. (laughs) And it's funny, Sarah, you know, once we have a character name, we'll start using it. And it does happen sometimes where we're like, you know, after a couple of weeks, we're just not feeling this name and we'll change it. But it's funny because often once we start using it, it seems, how could this character have possibly been named anything else? Like, this is her name. Come on. The other thing we might do, have a substitute name if the character reminds us of someone. And then we'll know we're still searching for the name, but meantime, let's use this name of a person who reminds us of someone so we know who we're talking about. Or a name we just like. (laughs) I hope it wasn't the case that when our friend Matt Witten used my name... (laughs) In his book, but although actually the character was pretty cool, maybe I did remind him of her, but he just liked my name, so he stuck with it. He meant for it to be a placeholder name and then just kind of got stuck in that lane, which we do sometimes also. Yes. Well, you know, I love the name Margot, Sarah, so I want to name every female character Margot. Yes, we have a lot of Margots, but I don't have any made it to screen yet? I think one did. Maybe not. No, there's still room. There's room for Margot, Liz. Room for Margot. Okay, Sarah, coming up, we have a Hollywood hack that is going to help people this fall when there is a real dearth of new television to watch. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack, and this is something that you have been doing. Yes, in fact, I did this on my Do Nothing Day. (laughs) It's Read a Book Series. The series I'm reading right now is the Inspector Gamache series by Louise Penny. There are 18 books in this series. I'm listening to it, reading it. So I actually haven't been reading it in order which has been interesting. I started just with whatever book was available. I use Cloud Library, not Libby. So whatever was available in Cloud Library, and now I'm going through and doing all 18 of them. And it's great because you can really land in the world and spend time with the characters and really follow them on a deeper level. I'm totally invested now in all of these characters and in their little town, Three Pines, and seeing them grow and change over time. I'm just so into it. And there are so many series that you could do this with. Yeah, it's interesting because I think we all think about series in terms of young adult books. There's lots of series in young adult But I don't think about that with adult 
books. No, never. But of course, if you really think about it, there's Song of Ice and Fire, George R.R. Martin. That's an adult series. There are so many. And also what's good is you can do a trilogy, like Margaret Atwood has a Mad Adam. I think that's how you pronounce it. Trilogy. There are really long ones. There are romance ones. Bridgerton series, for example, by Julia Quinn. Any genre, any length, you can find a series that will appeal to you. Well, I'm excited about this. I'm going to join you in your book series reading and listening. That sounds fun. It is fun. And we'll also post a link in our show notes to an article I found with a list of book series for adults in many different genres. So you can start there if you want. Great. And then Liz, you have a recommendation for us this week? Yeah. So every week we recommend a book, a TV show, a movie, a podcast. I am recommending this week a podcast. It is called Spellcaster, The Fall of Sam Bankman-Fried. It's from Wondery. And let me just read the description in case anyone isn't familiar with Sam Bankman-Fried. When nerdy gamer Sam Bankman-Fried rocketed to fame as the world's richest 29-year-old, he pledged to donate his billions to good causes. But when Sam's crypto exchange FTX collapsed, billions of dollars went missing, and Sam was in handcuffs, those who knew him were left wondering, who was Sam really? A well-meaning billionaire who made a mistake or a calculated con? Dot, dot, dot. This is a real story. Sam Bankman-Fried is a real guy who was really indicted over his crypto exchange. I think it's an absolutely fascinating story. It's an ongoing story, and there's going to be more to come. Uh, I highly recommend it. You know, Sarah, I love, you know, it's in the world of bad blood for those who are interested in the Elizabeth Holmes book. Very much in that world. And Liz, I'm curious, where do you land at this point on the well-meaning billionaire, well-meaning billionaire who made a mistake versus calculated con? What's what's your position on that? Sarah, I, I land pretty firmly on the calculated con side. Um, <laughs> okay. But I'm, I don't know what others think, but uh, he, he seems pretty calculated to me. Yeah, so give that a listen. And by the way, if anyone has suggestions for me of podcasts in this world, I'd love to know because I am looking for podcasts. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sankola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sankola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram and threads at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Now, Sarah, I'm curious, did your do-nothing day include a nap, or were you so relaxed you didn't even need to take a nap? I didn't even need to take a nap. My do-what-I-want day included a nap, though. Okay. (laughs) I love your do-what-I-want day. I think that's fun. Oh, it was a good one. We need some sort of team day. We have to figure that out. Team do-what-we-want day. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> From the Onward Project. <laughs>